tuning into the 390th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, Eros, Daryl, D, Lane, as always, wherever you are, whoever you may be listening, I want to thank you for making me in the show part of your day, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Everett, SoundCloud, Pandora, whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via, being recorded from Buffalo, New York, per usual. Going to have Reese Ryder on, Cincinnati Bengals fan to talk about them Bengals, Hootay Nation being in the Super Bowl. Uh, going to get into a lot of topics with Reese, so that should be fun. Now, before we get to the conversation, though, I'm going to get my shameless plug, as always. First-time listener, thank you, but subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below. Specifically, if you use Spotify, click on the timestamps, and it will send you to whichever part of the podcast you would most like to listen to. Folks, it's for your convenience. Follow me on Twitter at NightTrain underscore Lane. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane. You will find it. I post two to five minute clips of this podcast right here, as well as my syndicate show outside the shop. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, then give me five stars and a great review for some odd reason, right? If you don't like the pod, then don't worry. Fret not. Just don't say anything. Because you know what your mama told you? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Now it's time for some monologues that my friend Kenny Sim loves so very much. So, Kyler Murray, quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, unfollows the cards on social media. And I think he deletes all Arizona Cardinals content on his social media. Now, at first glance, you might say, this is no big deal, right? He's still on the team. They still control his rights. He hasn't said anything. But little things can become big things, right? Imagine you're talking to a girl. You call her somebody else's name. That's a little thing. But after that date, on the car ride home when you're driving her back to her place, that's going to probably become a big thing. You just don't do it. It's bad omens, bad signs. Right? After a job interview, you write a thank you letter on the positive side, right? And why do you write a thank you letter? Because it's a little thing that becomes a big thing. Maybe it uh, differentiates you from other candidates, right? Something very little that can go a very long way in terms of you getting the job. I was talking to this girl, right? Give myself as an example. Uh, She was going to Disney uh, and she was moving. And she told me this on a date we went on. And me being a little bit stupid, right, naive call myself out right here texting her the next day and i forget what she told me that she was going to disney and that she was moving and then she's like oh you never listen even though i remembered everything else but see that's something very little that can become very big and why do i relate this to carla scrubbing the cardinals off of his social media getting rid of all cardinals content off his social media unfollowing the cardinals that's all very little that's all very minute but it means something bigger At the very least, it's a passive-aggressive response towards the Cardinals that, hey, maybe you should get it together. Obviously, it shows that he's not happy because as the quarterback, as the face of the franchise, as the leader of the franchise, as the guy of the franchise, he's literally number one. His jersey number is number one. 
you would think he would be supporting them. That kid, when he plays sports, when he does band concerts, you never see his parents show up. That's something very little that can show something very big is going on at home. Kyler, he doesn't have to unfollow the Cardinals. In fact, I would say it takes a lot of effort for him to go on his Twitter, his Instagram, whatever, and unfollow them, to delete content. That actually takes work, that takes effort, and that shows something is going on. It's like after you break up with somebody, right? People uh, delete the pictures you had on their Instagram account. You want to know why? Because you're done with them. It's over. You don't want to be reminded of them when somebody blocks you. Things like that take effort. They take you making a subconscious choice saying, hey, I'm going to do this. Kyler didn't wake up and say, hey, how about I unfollow the Arizona Cardinals account and create a controversy for myself? Because people pay attention to these things. People pay attention to likes you made on Twitter five years ago, the things you tweeted when you're freaking 10 years old. So what makes you think they're not going to pay attention to this? Particularly when we're heading towards the offseason, things are dying down. Nobody's talking about football in Arizona because the Cardinals got their butts whooped by the Rams. Something very little. Like I'm following somebody on social media, it becomes very big. Something very passive-aggressive, and it makes me think something foul and something awry has gone wrong with Kyler Murray. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's him and Cliff have an issue. I don't know if it's with him and the organization. Maybe it's the fact that the organization tried to get rid of Cliff. Cliff's his guy. I don't know. Maybe it's some of the teammate with somebody's girlfriend. I don't know. And I'm not going to pretend like I know. But it means something. It has to. Why would he go out of his day? I don't think, again, I don't think he woke up and said, hey, let's start a controversy and delete all their content. I don't think it was an accident either. He woke up and he said, hey, I'm going to do this. It's like when you're done with somebody, you wake up one day and you say, block, I don't want to talk to them. I'm ghosting you. We're done. See ya, wouldn't want to be ya. It's like when you wake up one day and you're like, hey, I'm posting this, right? Like these things take effort. They take intent. Or it's not like Kyler as a kid that was, go. somebody else went on his accounts and did that. No, that wouldn't happen. And Kyler would have come out with it. You notice when people get hacked, right? Jay Williams got hacked and he tweeted out something. I'm forgetting what, but he tweeted out something that was very stupid. Jay Williams did, who was on ESPN for State Works for his former Duke basketball player, right? And he said, I was hacked. People say that when these things happen. They say, I was hacked. Kyler's not saying he's hacked. Kyler's just saying nothing. And silence can speak volumes. Sometimes it's what you don't say as opposed to what you do say. And he's putting the Cardinals on notice and their fans. So Cardinals fans, I would be very, very concerned and very, very worried because then all of a sudden it takes this one bombshell to drop like Aaron Rodgers did last year when he's like, I want out of Green Bay. Maybe Kyler's looking like, hey, if Aaron can try to force his way out, create a stink, maybe I can try to force my way out and create a stink. Now, Aaron didn't get what he wanted, but maybe Kyler's like, maybe I have a little bit more juice than Aaron here. Who knows? But Cardinals fans, people around the NFL, pay attention to this story. Don't let it fly over your head. Now, I want to go to this. So, ironically, last time I had Reese on the show, I did a segment on the Rams and how their playoff path would be very difficult. And I want to pull that audio for you guys. It's about 20, 30 episodes ago, a few months ago. And I want you to hear what I said. And I ended up saying, warning you, just give me a little synopsis of this. 
that I was concerned about the Rams because they would have to go through the 4-5 matchup, then potentially the 1 seed or the 2 seed. They'd have to beat three good teams to make it to the Super Bowl. And I was concerned about that. And I said the Rams should be wary of that because they were a Super Bowl contender, right? They make the big move of getting Matthew Stafford. So you want to put yourself in optimal position, not the toughest road. Here is what I said a few uh, months ago. Now I want to get into one of my monologues that my friend Kenny Sim loved so much. If you watch Monday Night Football, you saw the San Francisco 49ers put a butt whooping on the Los Angeles Rams. The LA Rams have lost two straight and now some people are saying there's trouble in paradise. Odell's not going to work. Uh, Von Miller, you can't have so many stars together. But that's not my concern with the LA Rams. Now yes, it's a little concerning. You have two straight national stage games. Sunday Night Football against the Titans without Derrick Henry, you get blown out. Then you raise it up another one with a reeling San Francisco 49ers team that had just lost to an Arizona Cardinals team with Colt McCoy. Yes, folks, Colt McCoy. We haven't heard that name since Texas back in 09. They lost to Colt McCoy-led Arizona Cardinals and got blown out and kind of got shredded by them. So the Niners were reeling. And then the Niners put a whooping on the Rams. So that's not a good thing for the Rams. And they're going to have a bye week. And if they can't rectify that after the bye week, then there can be some other concerns. But right now, that's not my biggest concern. The biggest concern here is this. With another loss, they're now 7-3. and three. Now you might be like, oh, Daryl, what's the, the record matter? Yes, they're shooing for the playoffs. But with the NFC West, right, the second team in the NFC West is going to be the fifth seed. Now, I think it's safe to say after all this time, we can assume that the one uh, seed in the NFC West is going to be uh, the Arizona Cardinals, the team that finishes first place in that division. The second place team, which will be... Uh, 80% sure it's going to be the Rams at this point. They would be the fifth seed. That means that opening day, wild card weekend, the Rams are going to have to go on the road and face either the Cardinals, the Dallas Cowboys, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or the Green Bay Packers. The NFC has five elite teams. You could argue that the Rams, the Cardinals, the Packers, the Cowboys, and the Buccaneers are the five best teams in the NFL, regardless of division and conference. And I think you'd have a pretty strong argument if you were to say that. So now, the Rams are in a position where, pick your choice. You want to open up against Brady and the defending champion Buccaneers? You want to open up against Dak Prescott and this loaded Dallas Cowboys offense with a good offensive line, good running backs, good receivers, and a very good defense? Or wait, you want to face the Cardinals again in the division with Kyler Murray, who's having an MVP season? Oh, wait. Oh, the MV reigning MVP from last year, Aaron freaking Rodgers. And the Packers, they've just dominated the Seattle Seahawks, blinked Russell Wilson, gave Patrick Mahomes fits, and they're rounding into form. Which one you want? There's no good option. It's like asking somebody, would you rather drown to death or getting stabbed to death? Neither. Neither folks, is a very good way to go. It just isn't. You always want the road, the easiest road, the safest road. When you're traveling and you're going on a trip, you want to go through the road where, you know, people aren't getting mugged, right? Let's say if there's an area you're driving through a bad area. Probably don't stop at that gas station. Everybody knows we're on that road trip. There's that one gas station that you don't stop at. You just keep moving because it's sketch. Right? How about we don't travel in the mountains in the winter? Maybe that's not the best thing in the world to do. 
You know, when you have to be somewhere, how about you don't walk at 3 a.m.? You take the Uber, right? You do things that are precautionary. Not because anything will happen. The worst case scenario will happen. I would assume that it wouldn't happen, right? You should assume that the worst case scenario shouldn't happen, but it's just being safe, having all your ducks in a row. You want the easiest road in the playoffs. Whoever is the one seed, the one seed is going to get a bye. So they're going to be out of this conversation. The two, the three, the two and the three seed are either going to get these middling NFC teams. The Carolina Panthers, who just got Cam Newton off the streets. The New Orleans Saints, who have were switching between Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon. The Minnesota Vikings are in the mix. The Chicago Bears. All these mediocre NFC teams at the sixth and seventh line in terms of seeding. The two and three seed are going to get. That's an easy, in-the-bag, round one matchup. And then you go to round two, and then you know you're going to have to face some good teams. But why start right away facing a really good team? Why do that? Why make it hard? Why walk through the eye of the storm? It's not like you can't do it, but it's no fun. It's not the smartest way to do things. So that's all I'm saying. My biggest concern with the Rams, opening day wildcard weekend, they're going to face a really, really good team that can beat them. And the two and the three seed are going to face two bad teams that can't. And they're going to move on to play for another week, another day. Survive for another time, right? Advance and survive. It makes it harder to advance and survive when you're in that dogfight right away. And now we're back. That concern I had, as you guys were just listening to that prior audio that I played for you guys. Turns out, hey, instead of having the easiest road, they took the toughest road. And maybe it got them to another gear, to another gear, to another gear. It's kind of like you warm up. Uh, You start uh, walking. Then you start jogging. Then you start sprinting, right? And it's like you gear up as opposed to you just start sprinting right away. First round, home, 4-5 matchup, Arizona, one of the top five teams, top six teams it turns out because San Francisco got it together. They blow them out. Then you look at it. uh, They go to a Tampa Bay team, Tom Brady. And they start really fast. And they dominate Tampa Bay for most of that game. For about 95% of that game, Tampa came back in the later half of the fourth quarter. But the Rams really dominated and controlled that contest. Then they go to the NFC Championship game. They're facing the 49ers, a team that had swept them during the regular season, who had beaten the number one seed Green Bay Packers and Green Bay. And they beat them. And they ran the gauntlet. They beat three very good football teams. They beat a team in the Cardinals who were at one point uh, the best team in the NFL. They beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who were uh, not only the two seed at their place, by the way, had Tom Brady the GOAT, the greatest football player of all time, but a team that was the defending Super Bowl champions. And then they beat a 49ers team who had just beat the top team in the conference record-wise in Green Bay, and that swept them and caused some matchup issues, right? So they ran the gauntlet. And I think maybe sometimes instead of taking the easier road, and this is a different ways we can look at it, sometimes some people, some teams are best. They're better without the bye, right? Like maybe Green Bay struggled because of the bye. Sometimes it's good to be on edge the whole time, knowing that your best is needed to win so you overperform as opposed to, no, hey, I can relax, I can sit back, I can put my feet on the table, and I don't have to be ready to go, go, go right now. Like some athletes are better with the bye. Uh, some teams are better with the bye. Some teams are better just going straight through. Just going through, getting the nicks, the knacks, the bruises, the adversity, you know, kind of feeling that uh, pressure right off the back as opposed to letting it simmer and then just boil and boil and boil it all until it comes right at you, right? So I think it's just interesting ways that you can look at it. Uh, obviously, it worked out well for this Rams team, and they're in the Super Bowl now. So I just want to give my thoughts on that. Uh, hey, turns out 
They went through the tough road. Hey, they went through hell and back, and they came out unscathed, and they're here in the big game in L.A. Their home arena, by the way, in SoFi. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and then kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to get to Reese Raider to talk about those who day Cincinnati Bengals. Kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a special guest with us, Reese Ryder, Cincinnati Bengals fan, to talk about their run to the Super Bowl. So, Reese, first I have to ask you, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Good to be glad to be back on the show. Um, it's crazy. Last time we had this, I would not expect to be sitting down having this conversation today. Um, looking back at some of the stuff I say, I have to say first off, I would like to apologize for any Zach, Zach Taylor slander that uh, that I that I uh, produced in the last podcast. I think um, that was a little harsh. Um, I think after we did it, we were like what week eight, week nine. We just came off kind of a bad stretch. Maybe we lost to the Jets and the Browns, so it's been a little down. But um, just glad to be here, man. Glad to be playing football in February. It's a crazy feeling. I'm just trying to soak it all in and enjoy it for sure. Reese, if I had told you at the beginning of the year a team from Ohio is going to be in the Super Bowl, and it's not going to be the Browns, who is one of the preseason favorites. Like, if I, people said in the beginning of the year the Browns would be in the Super Bowl, it wouldn't have been that shocking, right? Definitely not. I think, uh, I think going into the year, the Browns maybe still, outside of quarterback, uh, one of the strongest rosters in the leagues. I think... Um, one thing that stands out about the Bengals, though, is, you know, Taylor might be not, he might not be the most talented X's and O's guy, but his ability to lead the locker room and bring everybody together, I think, outweighs some of the things that were going good with Stefanski in Cleveland last year. Stefanski might be better in terms of football IQ and being able to you know, draw plays and things like that. But as the year went on, more of the issues that stemmed out of Cleveland was player personnel things. Um, as strong as the roster they had, you got guys tweeting when they're in quarantine, what are these play calls, run the ball. John Johnson, you know, new free agent guy they bring in, he's already unhappy. Plays 12 games with them. Meanwhile, you got guys in Cincinnati, Trey Hendrickson, um, bringing in Mike Hilton from the Steelers, people who just want to be there, and Zach Taylor's ability to lead those people in the locker room kind of weighed more at the end of the season than someone who might have a slight edge in terms of drawing up the plays. And I think that is um, something that a lot of people can't prepare for in terms of how you prepare for head coach and the way that things are led. It's just the Burrow and the, the Taylor thing. They just they got, got everything cooking. They got everybody on board. If I had told you, though, beginning of the year, Bengals in the Super Bowl, what would you have said? Said so you're tripping. Don't believe it even a little bit. It's kind of, uh, kind of amazing how, how things have, you know, kind of all transpired, even just the past four weeks. That's the thing. 
we didn't even know if we were going to be, you know, fighting for a playoff spot week, week about 15, 15, 16, and then we had a chance to take it uh, against the Chiefs. And I'm saying, you know, let's go ahead and win this because if we don't beat the Chiefs, we got to go take it in Cleveland, a uh, team that we haven't beaten in two years on the last week of the season. Um, at that point, you know, they're still fighting for something a little bit. They want to go out on a good note. So to do it against Kansas City, it's like, okay, we're in the playoffs. I haven't had this feeling in five years. A week later, um, you know, we get to rest our starters, and then we win our first playoff game the week after that. So one thing led to another, and I was like, all right, we, we got the first one out of the way. As soon as, we, as soon as we beat the Raiders, I was like, all right, you know, that's we lifted the curse. That's all I wanted to accomplish this year at it end. Um, going into Tennessee, I have pretty low expectations, not going to lie, especially against that uh, defensive front. And I wasn't wrong about how they were going to play this, but um, the fact that we came out of that game is when I really started to say, like, okay, now we have a real chance. We beat the Chiefs before. And then a slow start against the Chiefs. I was like, okay, we'll come back to reality, you know, just face the facts. You've had a great season, chop it up. And then our defense does the same thing they did week 17 against the Chiefs. And then it really starts to hit. Like, we are playing in the Super Bowl. And it's almost hard to believe the, you know, outcome of events that's happened just really over the past month. But to say that in the beginning of the season is not anything that I could have ever imagined and never had imagined. And I've never, never even seen a playoff game my whole lifetime. So for it to, you know, snowball into something this big is, is just a crazy feeling. I'm just really enjoying it, honestly, just soaking up every ounce of media this week and just, just – uh, being, being proud to be a Bengals fan for the first time in a long time. When did you believe the Bengals could get to the Super Bowl? When did you believe that this was real? Did, did it have to take till the clock hit zero in the AFC Championship game? Or was it like before that in the Raiders game? Or, or even was it when they beat Kansas City in a must-win game and they came back against them in the regular season? When was it for you when you are like, okay, this team might be special? I think after we beat Tennessee, the way we beat Tennessee, being beat at the line of scrimmage that badly, I was like, man, you know, everyone's talking bad about the line, and rightfully so. Nobody should give up nine sacks, but the fact they were able to fight and claw, it wasn't pretty. Obviously, it wasn't pretty, but... And one thing I've noticed is a lot of people will take away from them, and they'll they'll go and say, you know what, it wasn't the Bengals being good. It was the, it was Ryan Tannehill throwing a pick. It was... Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes not showing up in the second half. But after that after that Titans game, to win the way that we did, and then knowing, um, I guess we didn't know at the time, we still had we still had Chiefs Bills, but when we found out after what a crazy game that was too. Oh, no, uh, I know that game broke my heart, Reese. Yeah, I know. Sorry to bring it up. But um <laughs> I was pulling for the Bills because I think there was a little bit less bad blood uh, between us, you know. I definitely like the Bills. Um, support Josh Allen. I, you know, I think people are a little tired of the. Can't even call my dynasty yet, but the Chiefs, wherever they are, they've been kind of dominant. But I think after after we knew we had the Chiefs, knowing that we beat them once, it became a real possibility that we could you know, do it again. But I think we were going to, you know, maybe maybe not. I was trying to be optimistic, but once once we beat the Titans, I, I thought you know this this could get real real quick. And sure enough, you know, here we are. Very, very, very fast turn of events the past month. Really, that Chiefs game in the regular season 
kind of set the tone, and we have not looked back since. For as a Bengals fan, how has this ride been for you personally? As somebody that hasn't seen uh, a lot of success. Right. I, it's it's hard to put into words when you haven't uh, experienced anything like it before. The closest thing I had, so I've got one championship to my, my fandom, I would say. And that was uh, in 2016 with the Cavs. But when you when you have LeBron on your team and you know Kyrie and all these superstars, you expect to be there. And that's why they were able to compete for championships for you know, wherever LeBron's going to go, I mean, I mean, yeah, well, however old is, however old he is now, wherever he's playing, yada, yada, but, you know, um, if you have someone like that on your roster, then you know you're going to be competing for championships at the high level. In terms of the Bengals right now, though, when you have someone like Joe Burrow and you reach it now, um, it's going to be the new standard. Um, it was definitely exciting this year because there wasn't a lot of pressure after we won that first playoff game. For us to be doing what we're doing, despite you know the last two years having won six games, I think really just exceeded everybody's expectations, and I think that's what made it so cool. There wasn't any sort of, of pressure, you know. Like I would imagine, if you're a Pats fan, after I guess Tuck Hole game and Brady starts going to AFC Championship games, starts getting to Super Bowls, you're you're expecting that. So when you lose a playoff game, it's a lot bigger deal than just simply being there. So for me, I, I just enjoyed it. Um, the first one was definitely nerve-wracking because we, we obviously wanted that curse lifted. We had a playoff game forever. Continue to be a joke. And then we get the playoff win, and I think that one was just such a good feeling. Uh, there wasn't a city in the world that deserved it more based on everything that, that Cincinnati's been through. So just such a good feeling. Um, after that, I kind of just you know enjoyed getting an extra week. I've seen 20 Bengals games this year. And I'm going to see a 21st. If you would have told me that, I uh, don't think I could have been any happier. That, to me, just getting the extra game in, watching them all the way until, you know, Valentine's Day, really. Play football, that's that's awesome. There's not, not too many things that I enjoy more than just sitting down and watching Bingo's game. And the fact that I got to do it will be 21 times this year. It's just it's been amazing. It's been absolutely fantastic. Exceeded all my expectations. And I'm just, you know, enjoying the ride, really. How are you feeling during that Chiefs game? First half, uh, I think I heard a stat that really stuck out to me. And I might be a little off, but I believe it was the Chiefs were 21-0 when Tyree Kill scored a touchdown. And that was pretty much what happened in the first five minutes. You know, Mahomes is driving down, just carving up our defense. I think it was... um, no, McKinnon, Jared McKinnon, who hadn't even had two, three hundred scrimmage yards all year, carving up our defense. Mahomes drives down, chases out of the pocket, makes a crazy throw, and Tyreek in the back of the end zone. I'm thinking, man, it's not a very good way to start. Uh, next drive, same thing happens. We weren't able to do anything on offense. They march right down, do it again, do it again. Um, I think I had a, a you know a little bit of hope whenever Eli Apple made the stop. Clock, uh, clock running out. Time expired at the end of the first half, and I thought, you know, at least it'll stop the bleeding. I think if they score on that play, we don't win the game. That uh, that really was a turning point. I was like, okay, it got my attention now. Um, it wasn't much to write home about in the first half for sure. But after that, I was like, all right, we're sitting all right, sitting all right. And we come out, and the change in the defense was unbelievable. We we stuck them. Mahomes couldn't do anything. 
Um, our coverage was great. Our schemes were good. We started to get more pressure. Um, you know, thanks to guys like like Trey Hendrickson, who, in my opinion, is maybe maybe one of the best free agent signings in Bengals history, no doubt. Um, Probably the best free agent signing half, this year. <laughs> oh yeah, in the NFL, uh, just in just in overall, you mean? Yeah. Maybe it, I, I, him and Stafford for the best overall transaction. Yeah, I mean, look where they ended up. That's that's a pretty good point. I think um, I think I wouldn't say everybody's happy about the Stafford trade. I wonder how, uh, how how Jared Goff is feeling. But uh, yeah, that one worked out pretty well for him, and uh, we're certainly glad to have Trey. That is that is for sure. I think um, a lot of people didn't give us enough credit for adjustments. I think people would rather knock on Patrick Mahomes and knock on the Chiefs offense and they would give us credit a lot of times, which is what it is, you know. They didn't play in the game. People can people can talk, people can say stuff like that. But um the way we were able to come out in that second half, it started to feel pretty real until uh overtime hits and the Chiefs get the coin to us. <laughs> I, Josh Allen knew what it was like. Sorry to bring it up again. But um <laughs> Oh no, I lived it. I lived it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, I've been plenty of those, too, believe me, believe me. But he tweets pain right when it happened, and I'm just thinking, well, didn't want to do that because the Chiefs hadn't scored the entire second half until that last possession. Granted, they got a field goal. But, uh, but the crazy thing about it, I want to stop you. When the, yeah. Chief, the crazy thing about the Chiefs, when they needed to get points, they got it at the end. That was the. That's why you thought when they had the ball, like it, they might score again because – Cincinnati had stopped them that entire second half, but it was almost like Michael Jordan in the fourth quarter. Like when they needed it, they got it. Oh yeah, you were you were absolutely correct about that. You know, we couldn't ask for a better half. You give up three points, but to do it when they did, and the Chiefs to just squeak out and survive that half. Um, Mahomes could have fumbled. The play before that, he did fumble. Um, obviously, they got right back on it. I think one of this. I don't know if it was Schwartz or whoever. Um, I think one of the linemen jumped on it before we could. Sam Hubbard uh, made a nice play on it, which was, um, you know, about at a heart attack. We would pick that up and just ended it right there. That that would have been hard for me to believe. But the Chiefs being the Chiefs, you know, they climb back in, they kick the field goal, and next thing you know, they got a little bit of momentum and they get the ball. So I'm like, well, here we go. Make a few plays on um, – should have been picked off. I think it was, I think it was second down. I think they ran on first down. Threw it. Eli Apple missed it. I think – Twitter would have had a field day if that man would have had a pick six, beat Mahomes, and walked off. That would have been absolutely insane. <laughs> that would have been something else. But to get the pick on the very next play, you can't uh, can't draw it up like that. Just Jesse Bates making a play and able to get the ball back and kick a field goal. And, uh, took some time to process. I couldn't believe it. But about a day later, it kind of sank in. And it just um, crazy feeling, crazy feeling. Something that everyone should strive for as a fan, as a player. That's where you want to be. For us to be able to do that, I'm just absolutely ecstatic about it. When they ended up, when Patrick Mahomes throws that interception, and it all, at that point, it looks like the tide is turning. What's your reaction? How are you feeling in that moment? I'm feeling Evan McPherson. All we got to do is get two first downs. The way that guy's been kicking the ball. Uh, I felt pretty confident, actually, which is, well, uh, that was a strange feeling in its own because there's not a lot of times. Uh, last year we had Randy Bullock, um, which is kind of ironic. We ended up beating the Titans, who he played for. Um, not like it came down to him or anything like that. 
But um, to have confidence in your kicker um, is, is crazy because at that point, you know, with the interception return, like I said, you only need – I would have been comfortable getting – maybe not comfortable, but I would have been fine with, you know, just getting one first down. McPherson was 12 for 12 in the postseason. Still is. I guess we got one game left, right? But 12 for 12, 250-plus yarders. I mean, it's just un- unbelievable. Lights out. All we needed to do is, you know, not do anything reminiscent of Jeremy Hill in 2016. Um, that's for sure. That was the one thing that kind of crossed my mind, was if we're going to run the ball, let's hold on to it. But I knew we had on the roster, so um, feeling way more confident than than I definitely have in the past in terms of securing a game lane drive, especially when you got you got Joe leading the reins, no Jeremy Hill, thank goodness, and uh, Evan McPherson has been, in my opinion, since I've been watching football, has had one of the most uh, like proficient, um, absolutely incredible rookie seasons as a kicker that I can remember in a long time. He's like a mini Justin Tucker. Yeah, he might might not have the uh, the distance that Tucker has. I think Tucker kind of made one of the crazy one of the craziest plays, not just kicks. You know, this year against the Lions, and being that it was against the Lions, I felt kind of bad just because it seems like something that would happen to Lions. That kick he made, man, that's a special football player, not just a kicker. That guy, that guy is crazy to to even be comparing him is uh, is. Gotta be, you know, feet from McPherson that he can be proud of. That's that's to be in that kind of company to make those big kicks. That's that's what you want. That's what every kicker should strive for. And I I've pretty much been eating crow all season because you know prior to this year, why would I not be pessimistic? But judge the draft pick a little bit, which looking back is just dumb. Not but not because of what he accomplished, but because of the fact that what are you gonna do with a fifth round draft pick? That's that's more valuable than you know, what he was able to do. And I don't know why I question it, but there's probably a good reason that I'm not the GM in Cincinnati right now. So I'll leave it at that. You know, and it does make you think, I mean, kicker, I mean, I know people, it's not the sexiest thing in the world, fifth-round pick. You might like, oh, why not offense? Why not defense? But if you have a guy who you think, even if they're not as good as McPherson, you have a guy who you think can be a long-term guy for you, a kicker, and can consistently make 50-yard field goals, that's just such a big advantage for your team. In terms of how you call players on offense, like how that affects field position and stuff like that, which I don't think people think about. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, something we did, you know, I wasn't smart enough to realize. The, the freshest thing on my mind is, I think, I believe it was, I want to say like 2017, um, I think it was a year, maybe maybe two years after that playoff loss, we took Jake Elliott, kicker, I think he was out of Memphis, and we cut him. We had him on the, the roster before the week one of the regular season and we cut him after the last preseason game. We stuck with Randy Bullock because they liked him better. And the first game of the year, we played the Eagles. who had just signed Jake Elliott. Still a kicker there, Pro Bowl kicker, a good kicker. Um, yeah, just literally just saw him in the Pro Bowl this year. Not say what you will about the Pro Bowl, but um, still a good kicker. And he beats us on a 60-yard field goal week one after we cut him. Um, one, I'll probably always remember that, and that was kind of what was on my mind when we took um, McPherson. But obviously, I think McPherson over Elliott even is, you know, was probably no, I wouldn't say light years, but um, he's still a step above him, which is crazy that it's worked out the way it is. But it doesn't even know how to evaluate talent. That is for sure. So, 
What were your thoughts of the Bengals Raiders game? Wild card weekend. I thought uh, I thought we got off to a pretty good start. Made a stop. Um, you know, I think CJ Zalman scored first touchdown. We were looking pretty good. We had the crowd behind us. I think everyone, you know, was just ready for that win. We were definitely a better team coming in. The Raiders were just off of a an overtime game, um, and it, that was one of my things was watching that game. The Raiders had to have been exhausted coming back into that game, the way the Chargers fought back and scored with no time left. And they're fresh off of that. We got the rest of our starters, and we were just so ready to win the game. But we let them cling on for way too long. They got the ball and had a chance to score and win in the last possession. A lot of times in these one-score games, you got the ball at last, you're setting yourself up to win the game. That's what happens you know, 70 80% of the time. That's just how it works. You can set yourself up for that score. But not only that game, the game after defense was able to, to step up really all three games. We've had crucial interceptions. We had a goal line stand. Pratt got the first one. Uh, Logan Wilson after Eli Apple uh, tipped it against uh, Tennessee. And then uh, the last one, Jesse Bates gave it to Von Bell. Um, the defense has just been able to make plays when it's mattered. Um, but as far as the game as a whole, I think uh, I think we let him stick around. I think we were ready to see him just just drive the dagger in there, finish it out, and win with no doubt, leave no doubt on the field. Um, just prove we were a good team. We really, really needed to win that game just to lift the curse, like I mentioned. Uh, we were able to get it done nonetheless. It wasn't wasn't pretty, but I think um, I think we let him stick around too much is my main takeaway. But that was uh, a way the feeling. Uh, very, very relieving. How electric uh, was Cincinnati? I was going to say, how electric was Cincinnati after that first playoff one? It was uh, it was pretty crazy. Um, obviously, I don't live in downtown Cincinnati. I don't even live that, that close to Cincinnati. Um, but I'll tell you one thing. If, uh, if we somehow can, can pull the big one off, I'll, I'll be there for sure. <laughs> oh, you'll be at the parade. I'll be there. Oh, yeah. I'll 100% be there. I'll take as much time off as I need to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, focus on the, the real important things. But <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we we definitely definitely the people of Cincinnati, um, everybody who supported them, um, they they deserve that and absolutely you know party their asses off. Um, pardon my language, but that's uh, that's pretty much what happened. Um, everybody celebrated. Everybody um, was relieved, really, is, is how I'd say. We knew how good we were, but to, to end that Bo Jackson curse against the same team that started it, um, the reason I say that is because that was, um, you know, we lost to the Raiders, um, I believe it was, it was 91, and then Bo Jackson got hurt that game and never played another game in his career. So to end it um, against the same team the draw kind of started against was a pretty good feeling. And I think um, everybody... Um, celebrated properly there's a lot of breweries in cincinnati and um just a lot of a lot of celebrating all around i would say from everybody and just an outstanding feeling so what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and kind of next out of the break on barbershop sports talk we're going to talk a little bit more cincinnati kind of next out of the break on barbershop sports talk Jump, stomp, stomp on Lucifer's sage. Now I got a few rings on Jupiter's 
Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports. I'm going to have Reese Ryder with us. So, last time you came on the show, you were not a fan of Zach Taylor. Now, Zach has gotten the Bengals to their first Super Bowl in your lifetime. Are you on the Zach Taylor train? Do you need to give him an extension? Uh, you got to be. You got to be on the train after what he's accomplished. Um, great great leader in the locker room. It's just it's just happened to work. They, uh, they, knew, they knew what they were doing when they hired him. I think uh, it's, it's very, very easy for fan bases to judge. Um, obviously, I feel like I didn't uh, I didn't light him up too bad for the first two years, but in, in all honesty, you're not going to be able to go six wins in two years and, and not be fired very many other places. Mike Brown, um, you know, Marvin Lewis was, what, was 16 years with his 17 years, and yeah, that, that, that probably didn't need to happen, but uh, Mike Brown is a little too patient sometimes, but, you know, it worked out this time. No complaints. Um, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's really just his ability to lead a locker room. He's not going to outsmart you or, or, or outcoach you down the stretch necessarily. He's done what he's needed to, but I think in the back half of the season, he hasn't necessarily made decisions that, that have or would have cost us games, which, you know, is, is it might not seem like I'm giving enough credit, but for a head coach to have enough impact where they're losing more games and winning more games happens more often in the NFL than not. That's why we see so many firings, hirings every year. So I think what he's done has yeah, absolutely impressed me. And it should impress everybody that's seen what he's been able to do. And just, just his ability to, to, I don't know if it's just his relationship with Joe, and everybody buys into that if it stems from Joe. Um, it all, I mean, it almost has to. But just his just his ability to rally, um, something that I'm proud of, proud to have seen. Reminds me of uh, Boomer and Sam Weish. Uh, didn't, didn't see him, but... Um, they, they definitely um, just young young offensive minded head coach coming in with that that highly talented quarterback um, something that worked out for us in the past but hopefully with Zach we can bring some more there and get the job done but um, thoroughly impressed me um, I got to take uh, take the L and just eat, eat the crow like I've been doing all year been wrong a lot um, and I've, I've never been happy to be more wrong to to go back on my word take back some of my bashings. Um, it's worked out for the best. So I'll, I'll eat crow on that all day. But um, proud of Zach for sure. Did you hear that Zach Taylor was like going around? I think it was after the Titans game. He was having beers with people at these bars. Oh yeah, yeah. He's. Um, I think he's. He's just as appreciative for for what the team's been able to do, and for the fans, and for the city. Um, and I, I think that's that's part of what makes him great is just uh, the ability for the city to rally around him. Gave out game balls, um, the Holy Grail, and uh, Mount Lookout Tavern. Um, those are two pretty pretty popular bars in Cincinnati. I think it was him and Kevin Huber. Um, not sure if you know a whole lot about Kevin Huber, but he's from Cincinnati, born and raised. He, um, I don't think he went to Moeller. Moeller is where, like, I think um, that's where Sam Hubbard went. In. Super big prep school, um, Catholic school out of Cincinnati. But um, Hubbard's from the area. He went to UC. And he was drafted by the Bengals, so he's been in Cincinnati literally his entire life. Um, so him and Zach went around passing game balls out to fans who absolutely deserved it. Um, they're, you know, our fans have been been through some stuff. Um, I definitely know, but people have been around a lot longer than me. Continue to support the team to see to see 
Taylor do that, um, you know, really just unites people. And I, I think that's that's what makes this team really special and just giving us the capability to, to go on this run is that everybody's bought in. They bought into Zach, they bought into Joe, they bought into the culture. Um, and I just I just really think that's kind of where it stems from. Um, and it's just, just awesome to see. Biggest reason the Bengals are in the Super Bowl right now? Joe Burrow, easiest question. Um, that we don't, if you know, if we don't get that number one overall pick, if things aren't falling into place, um, you know, we got it for the reason. The, I remember in 2019 we played the Dolphins, and it was kind of like the tank bowl, but nobody really wanted to tank. Um, I think it was the, the Dolphins' last home game that year. I think it might have been the second, second to last game that secured us the number one overall pick. We ended up scoring 16 points in the last 26, 27 seconds and forcing overtime. And I'm thinking, man, if we if we somehow mess up losing this game, it might cost us a shot at, at Joe Burrow. Um, and as much as we battled, Andy Dalton didn't get the job done, and we ended up losing that game. And um, the rest is kind of history. We get the first overall pick. Everyone knew we were dealing with it. I have not looked back since. I think so much. Um, I don't even want to say that so much leans on his shoulders because he doesn't have any pressure. Is the thing he's just so calm and collective, and he is not worried about any of that. It's just people being able to rally behind him and buy into his leadership is, is such a big reason. Um, I won't say the only reason, but that is the absolute one hundred percent. Uh, main reason that we are where we are is ability to, to lead and to rally. It's just something that we've never seen before, something I've never seen before um, as a Bengals fan, and it's just it's just such a such a good good uh, thing to have. I think everyone needs that leader, uh, especially in your quarterback. And it's you know it's it's Joe, man. Joe's Joe's done something for us that, that a lot of people will not be able to do. Where does Joe Burrow rank in the NFL in terms of quarterbacks for you? I would say he's top five after what he's proved in the postseason. Yeah, he you you can say, oh, I mean, look at the numbers. He has he hasn't let anybody get fired, but you know it's it's, it's more than that, and he's only going to continue to get better to do what he's done with that offensive line. Um, I can't tell you the last time, like off the top of my head, that, that a line was that bad and made the made the Super Bowl. And they're going to have their hands full. Oh, this is the that. worst offensive line that a Super Bowl team's ever had. Yeah, it's 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 certainly up there. I I don't I guess I guess you don't usually remember a team for having a historically bad line. So that right there uh, should tell you everything that it needs to tell you about Joe Burrow. Um, it's 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 crazy, absolutely crazy, and they're only going to continue to get better. So that's that's what's exciting to me. Um, but to make it this far and then to uh, to not win is definitely going to sting still. But um, it's it's just a joy to be here. Enjoy this extra week that we get. What are their chances of beating the Rams? I think I think the Rams are definitely the best football team we've played all year. That's the thing. Um, if they weren't, they wouldn't be here. Um, they're an amazing team. They have tons of offensive talent. They have great receivers, just like us. Their defensive line's amazing. Because um, that defensive line is going to trot out Aaron Donald, arguably the best player in the NFL, and on the edges you're going to have Von Miller and Leonard Floyd. Yeah, it's um, normally that would scare me, um, but I've been hearing it all all postseason. You know, 
hey, the Titans got Jeffrey Simmons in the middle, and they got Bud Dupree, and they got this this all round like great great pass rush, and they did. Um, and I, obviously, you know, the Rams. I don't know if the Rams D line overall is better. Um, you know, I, they definitely have some names, but we'll see. We'll see how Vaughn does. We'll we'll see what they're able to do. Obviously, the line's a problem um, that you're always going to worry about, and I don't want to compare the Rams to the Titans. Obviously, the Rams are a much better team, the best team we played all year. Um, but the fact that we've proven we can get it done without the offensive line, um, definitely it's, it's got to give you some, I wouldn't say confidence, but some, some hope that it's not going to be the reason that the entire ship collapses, especially when the whole team buys in. So I think um, I think the Rams have a lot of talent. Um but I think I think we could expose their secondary. Obviously, they have Jalen Ramsey, but they've got a weak point at the safety position, in my opinion. Um, they're pretty young. They have a young nickel corner, um, and I, I think that's something we can exploit with the amount of depth and talent we have at the receiver position. So that's going to be the key. How much how much separation can we get in enough time? How many deep balls can we throw up and get behind the safeties? Um, you know that's that's going to be the key to the game. Obviously, the line's going to give up the sacks. That's 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 no doubt going to happen. We can't give up nine sacks, but the reason that we win the game is our ability to hit the deep shots. I think um, we're going to need some explosive plays for sure to keep up with their offense. Jalen Ramsey, can he stop Joe Burrow? I mean, uh, Jamar Chase. Yeah, he definitely can. I think um, I think he's proven for a couple of years that he's an elite corner. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, you can make an argument that he's the best corner in the NFL. I think he's got stats to prove it. Um, he's went toe-to-toe with the best. One thing that he doesn't do as much anymore because of their defensive scheme, though, is shadow. They have a lot of things where they mix they mix defensive coverages around that doesn't allow them to necessarily shadow um, from what I've been seeing. And I think that's something the Bengals can exploit because if Jamar Chase gets, gets put in the slot – Jalen Ramsey's not on them, but he's on their number three corner. That's when they're going to take opportunities um, and, and take advantage of that, I, I should say. And the thing about having a quarterback like Joe Burrow, he's going to know when his guy Jamar is on someone that's not Jalen Ramsey. Same thing with T. Higgins. I think he's going to be able to exploit matchups in ways that a quarterback like. I don't know, Ryan Tannehill, for example, because he did play pretty bad when we played him, wouldn't necessarily be able to do, say the Titans did reach that game. Um, things that the quarterbacks at the level of Burrow and Mahomes, I think Stafford could do it. Stafford makes some, some errant throws, but you know the ability to, to read a defense, I think, especially at the corner level, um, might outweigh Ramsey's one-on-one ability to cover a receiver, especially if he's not going to shadow for the entire game. Would you let Browns fans hop on the Cincy bandwagon if the Bengals won? Would you be okay with that? I, I, I that's a tough question. Um, I, I, I don't really think it's my place to say who someone can't root for. Um, to be fair, I, I would have a hard time bringing myself to to root for the Browns, but I think I would um, if the situation's reversed. Um, would you go to the parade? The Browns parade? Yes. No. I definitely would not. No, I'm saying when actually there are Browns fans at the Bengals parade. Yeah, I think I think it's something the whole the whole state can get behind. Um, they don't have to be you know diehards, but to have respect for 
someone like Joe Burrow and to you know show that show that that AFC North love I think and just you know have that respect I think I would be a hundred percent cool with because it's you know better than them being you know the opposite way treating us with disrespect or better than Steelers fans going there <laughs> yeah they're uh, me someone besides me might say you know what I said about the Browns about Steelers fans but I um, you know I, I don't feel the same about the Browns as I do the Steelers. Uh, they're not equal, <laughs> but um, you know. That being said, I think I think it's cool to see people support the Bengals, um, whether they're bandwagon or not. It's kind of cool that we're getting we're getting so much attention, rightfully should. Like so, like obviously we're in a Super Bowl, so I think if anyone's willing to come out and support us, um, it's pretty awesome. Our governor actually, uh, he he like made an official day, and it's like Cincinnati Bengals Day on the day of the Super Bowl, and he renamed uh, three state parks. Um, one of them is right here above Athens. Its original name was Burr Oak, but he's temporarily renamed it to Burrow Oak State Park. So it's pretty cool. It's what are the other there. ones? What are the other names? There was one one outside of Dayton, and it's now the Icky Woods State Park. I don't remember the original name. Um, and there's one more, and uh, I can't think of it. It is, I'm not really sure. That's something I should have should have paid closer attention to. Um, but I'd say DeWine might have lost a few voters in Cleveland after that, to be honest with you. so <laughs> That's funny. Did you hear, and I know you probably heard this, so regardless of what happens for the Super Bowl, school is going to be canceled on Monday? Yeah, first, I think it's Cincinnati Public Schools. Um, they decided that, you know, win or lose, that... I think people are going to be up later, and I think, honestly, it should just be a national holiday. There have been so many times, um, obviously never seen a Bengals play in a Super Bowl before, but there have been so many times, even if I was watching you know, some random teams, I was always going to watch the end of it, whether it was some crazy, crazy Super Bowl like 08 Patriots-Giants, or whether it was you know Broncos-Seahawks blowout. I was still watching the end of the game, um, staying up late, and didn't feel good to go into school. It's seven o'clock the next morning, so I think uh, I think it should just be nationally recognized. I think something everyone can get behind. Um, love the idea, win or lose. Um, you know, still pretty cool. Pretty cool to see. So, give me a score for the game. Oof. I'm gonna say, put me on the spot with that one. I think the trend of the playoffs so far, at least for the Bengals, has been pretty moderate to low scoring um, our defense has stepped up I would say outside of the Cardinals game well now they I'd say the Bucks game they put up some points too but it wasn't I don't think they got to the 30s though I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Bengals 24 Rams 21 we'll keep it nice and clean um, I think it'll definitely be a one possession game either way there's nothing in the playoffs it's it's to this point it's happened it's told me that I, you know otherwise I would be shocked if it was not a one score game um, but yeah we'll, we'll roll with 24-21 Bengals gotta gotta root for the boys cheer, uh, cheer them on and hopefully we can get that dub and who would be your Super Bowl MVP? Burrow? I got the, I got Jamar Chase actually. okay I think the way that the uh, the way that the playoffs have been set up this year um, you know, Burrow, I wouldn't say hasn't needed to do um, 
things because that's just not true. Without Burrow, he wouldn't be here, obviously. He talked about how important he is to the team, the city, the culture, to get behind it. I think um, I think Jamar is going to have a good game. I think those matchups and being able to exploit safeties, I think that's going to pay some dividends. I think when they get Jamar off Ramsey, I think some crazy things are going to happen. I think that's going to – that might be um, – you know why we win that game that's going to be why we're going to win that game we're going to be able to to really play the matchup game and hopefully get jamar um you know continuing to to produce a legendary and historic season he's done it all year he's broken a lot of records i think there would be nothing sweeter um to to you know go off the next 10 years into the future than to get some more hardware for jamar and just end on just a crazy historic legendary year and i just would really like to see that and i'm hoping i can speak it into existence into existence reese i want to thank you coming on the podcast man i appreciate it oh yeah thanks for having me man uh, a lot of fun definitely been uh, pretty juiced this week still got four days left so um maybe i'll get some sleep but uh hasn't happened yet so just happy to be here riding the wave uh, Rick the Bengals on for me, man. And once again, I want to thank Reese Ryder for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 390th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.